everyone, and welcome to the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. I'm your host, Dr. Linda Mintel, the relationship doctor, and I'm here along with my co-host, Chris Weigel. And every weekend, we're here, we're doing life together, and we're so glad that you've joined us. Dr. Linda, what a week. I was determined to not eat so much. I mean, this is what everyone says. It's always about the diet and everything. I was determined to take in less calories this week. And? Failed miserably. <laughs> Didn't happen. Why is it so hard to make a change like this? And we're going to answer that question on today's program because I have a feeling that I'm not alone when it comes to being motivated to stick with it and change. That's right. You're not alone. There. Think of a time that you've had to make a change. How hard was it? Maybe you wanted to lose those 10 pounds mm-hmm. or cut back on your food like Chris is talking about or quit smoking or remember to take your medicine or come home from work on time. Whatever it is, just think about that and think how hard it was. Yeah. Drink more water, study harder, limit social media. You name it. Right. We all have something we want to change and we need that little extra push to do it because change is not that easy. And whenever a new year or a new season rolls around, uh, we get inspired and think, okay, now is the time. That's right. I can do this, but then it seems like most of us lose steam pretty fast. It is really pretty quickly. Mm. When you look at New Year's resolutions that people make, they peter out about February, most Mm. people, and don't get too far. And it's even worse if someone tells you that you need to make a change. So that's even (laughs) harder. Because you know why? There really is a principle involved in this, Chris. We want to resist when someone tells us what to do. We don't like to be told what to do, Mm -hmm. even if we know that it's good for us. Yes, To your point, most people don't even follow their own doctor's advice. As a matter of fact, the number is close to 80% of us. Why do we do that? There is something called the writing reflex, Hmm. and it's writing like R-I-G-H-T-I-N, so the right way versus the wrong way. And what this is, is when somebody tells you to do something, so when the doctor says, okay, Chris, you need to stop eating like that and eat well, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what rises up inside of you is, nope, nope. I don't have to do that. You can't tell me what to do. That's exactly right. (laughs) I guess we all become three years old again, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) But the doctor has the urge to fix it, to make it right, which is what the writing reflex is about. They want to make it right, and you just reflexively say, "Uh -uh, Mm uh-uh, not going to do it. So telling people what to do doesn't work too well. People change when they're ready, not when you tell them to change. So you want to avoid this writing reflex. So it's like Nike says, just do it. It uh, doesn't work so well for some of us. I know they made a lot of money off of that campaign, yeah, they did, but yeah. people are not just doing it. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. Uh, we know we should. We know we should get better sleep. We know we should eat better. We know we should exercise. We know to do some basic self-care. But again, when someone else tells us to do it, we just resist. And the reason for that is we do like to maintain the status quo. Mm, makes sense. Remember Nancy Reagan? She came up with the Just Say No campaign. Is that who did that? Yes, That was that Nancy is. Reagan? Mm-hmm. Wow, it's a long time ago. Thing is, didn't seem to really work all that well because no. we still have a drug problem. Right. I, I think most teens know that drugs are not good, but telling them not to do them, that writing reflex kicks in, and they simply don't listen. In order to know if someone is ready to change, you have to assess two things. Now, this is really important to mm-hmm. understand about making change. The first one is, how important is that change? Not very. I mean, wait. Was, I was, yeah, yeah. I okay, shouldn't have said so that. that's <laughs> the problem. That really is the problem. Usually, I will ask you, from a scale from 1 to 10, where Mm -hmm. 1 is it's not important at all, and 10 is it's really important. So let's take your your Mountain Dew 
<laughs> drinking problem. All right. <laughs> Do you remember that show when we went into your refrigerator and I took a video of the Mountain Dew in your refrigerator? I do. I mean, it was loaded. It's loaded, yes. With Mountain Dew. All right, right. so we're going to use, we're going to pick on you. Okay. And we're going to say that your goal, we're going to have a target behavior of changing that Mountain Dew drinking habit, we're going to cut it down to in half, let's say. Okay. So I'd ask you on a scale from one to ten, Chris, how important is it for you to stop drinking Mountain Dew? Zero. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Because of that, right. and based on that, it's not going to be important. So guess what? You're not going to do it. Not going to do it. <laughs> and that's one of the most important things you can do to make a change is think about how important really is it to me. Hmm. So when you go in and the doctor is telling you to do something and you're thinking in your head, yeah, not that important, not going to do it, it's not going to really help. Now, what you can do to make something more important is you can say, well, how would it change my life? Mm. Would my life be different? If I didn't change, what would be the downside? Make this list of pros and cons. As you begin to think about maybe there's some cons to this, then it might bump up the importance of a change or it might convince you that, hey, it's not that important, I don't need to do it. Mm. So the change needs to be important, and like you said, or we probably simply won't do it. I'm thinking of the times I hear people say, yes, I want to read my Bible every day, but then they don't. Uh, You're saying one reason the person doesn't make change happen is because it just might not be that important. That could be one reason, but now the second reason, which might have to do with people reading their Bible, because they'll Probably most people would say it is important, don't Mm -hmm. you think? Yes. The second part of that is, first of all, is it important? Secondly, do you have the confidence to do it? I would ask that same scale on a scale from 1 to 10, can you do that? How confident are you that you could actually, let's say, read your Bible every day? If you feel really confident about making that change, then the chances are that you would make that change. So what do you do if your confidence is low? You start thinking about what gets in the way. Why is it so difficult? You know, you have good intentions. So people that want to read their Bible every day have really good intentions, and they start out a program usually saying, I'm going to do this every Mm -hmm. day. But then there are barriers to you actually making that change. For example, someone who's not confident about reading the Bible might say, I can't read in the morning because I'm not awake. It's not an excuse. It's just really the the thing that gets in the way of them actually making that change. Mm -hmm. Or they might say, at the end of the day, if I try to read, I'm just too tired and I don't get to it. So the issue would be finding a good time to read. That might take away the barrier. Maybe you could read 15 minutes, 20 minutes at lunch when you'd be kind of fresher in the middle of the day but not exhausted. You remove the barrier, your confidence goes up. So let's look in terms of the Mountain Dew. Mm, (laughs) Let's go back to that one. Right. Looking at your refrigerator, even if you wanted to quit drinking Mountain Dew, which we know you don't want to, you have a refrigerator loaded with it. Right. Let's say that you really wanted to. That would make it really tough because every time you'd open up your refrigerator door, you see it and want to drink it. That's a barrier to change. So stop keeping a four-week supply of of Mountain Dew in the refrigerator. If you wanted to up your confidence to be able to make that change, you've got to look at the barriers and you've got to overcome those barriers. So if I lack the confidence to make the change... I need to think about what I could do to, like you said, boost my confidence. And based on what we're saying, it's better if I think of the things I could do. That's right. Because if I tell you to do it, you're not going to do it. We've already established that. You're going to resist. Mm -hmm. And you know why? Because you really do know what's best. You really do know what you can handle and what you can't handle. And if you are forced to think about it, 
you will come up with the things that get in the way of you making that change. Whenever I talk to patients and I say, tell me what makes it difficult or tell me why it's so enjoyable to keep doing what you're doing, they're able to come up with those answers very easily. So if we're going to make a change, we have to first find out how important it is and then how confident you are in making that change. Well, I am confident right now that we need to take a break, Dr. Linda. So when we come back, we'll talk about how ready are we to make a change. Stay tuned. Hey, it's Chris from the Dr. Linda Mental Radio Show. Dr. Linda's latest book is titled Living Beyond Pain. It gives practical tools to anyone who is living with chronic pain and wants to get his or her life back on track. Recently, Dr. Linda's listeners had questions about pain, and she answers those questions with tips from her book, Living Beyond Pain. Hello, Dr. Linda. I have considerable pain, especially in my back these days. I'm so afraid to do anything physical because I might injure myself. So I don't do anything, but I don't think that's good either. I need some ideas. Can you help? Here is the thing. Exercise, exercise, exercise. Because it has so many benefits for chronic pain. You need to get your body up and moving. Now that exercise has to be appropriate. You might want to work with your physician in terms of the guidelines of what you can do safely or somebody who really understands exercise like an exercise physiologist or a personal trainer who's aware of your limitations. But exercise not only helps your physical body, it helps your mental functioning, helps your energy levels, it helps your blood flow, your thinking, your mood, your mobility, your flexibility. Overall, exercise is one of the factors that helps you have a more positive quality of life. There are a few studies that show improvement with pain, so it isn't exactly going to make your pain a whole lot better, but there is nothing that says it's going to worsen pain. What it will do is it will make you more flexible, and as a result of that, you will start to improve your pain. The best approach, though, is to do it gradually and check with your physician. Chris, when I had pain before my my back surgery, one of the things that really helped was to do some type of movement. If I had to stand up, I could walk. It was like one of the times when I wasn't hurting. After that surgery, when I was in a lot of pain, when I was ready, when I checked with my physician, I started Pilates, which is a low-impact type of exercise that focuses on core strength and flexibility using uh, almost all of your muscle groups. It was really, really the thing that brought me back into full functioning again. Hey, thanks, Dr. Linda. If you would like a copy of Dr. Linda Mental's book, Living Beyond Pain, go to drlindamental.com, or you can find Living Beyond Pain anywhere books are sold online. Welcome back to the Dr. Linda Mental Show, and today's topic is Make a Change, and we have a lot more to talk about, but before we move on, I want to remind you to check out Dr. Linda's website, drlindamental.com. That's where you will find her blogs, books, and you can connect on social media. And check out Dr. Linda's latest book, co-authored with physician James Cribbs, Living Beyond Pain. And Dr. Linda, I plan on reading you that book. You still haven't gotten that book? I have not. Come on, Chris. What is Okay, okay, so we have to motivate you to change. Well, I'm waiting on the signed Wait, copy. Wait, do you think the, the book is important? Yes. <laughs> do you have the confidence that you could actually get it? Uh, well, you're sitting right here. <laughs> And I have yet to remember to bring you a copy of it, right? One of these days I will get one, yes. (laughs) Well, it's related to the topic we're talking about, seriously, because if you really did determine to read that book, you'd have to look at what are the barriers that are getting in the way. And one big barrier would be you don't have a copy of it. Well, in reality, (laughs) if, if you're not going to bring me a copy of the book, I could go to a bookstore 
and purchase that's the book. true yeah. that but that would be harder and that yeah. really is one of the things about change is that people do what's easy and if you're going to force yourself to make a change you mm-hmm. really have to say i'm going to get to that bookstore no matter what because it's so important to me you would find a way to do it but if it's mildly important you're like mm-hmm. yeah, if i pass one i'll stop <laughs> if not i'll just wait it out for dr linda do i get a book or not <laughs> <laughs> you get a book eventually okay okay <laughs> So it changes a process, right? It's not something that just happens automatically, mm-hmm. or most of us would be highly successful with change. Most people don't say, hey, I'm going to change. And then like the Nike ad, they don't just do it, right? right? So the reason for this is because you really do have to get ready for change. So we, we talked about the importance of change. We talked about having confidence that you can make the change. Now, Chris, we're going to look at the readiness for change. Change doesn't happen in one fell swoop. swoop there, right. there are uh, stages. There are stages, and we're going to look at the first stage. So if you're in this first stage, it's called pre-contemplation. This is the stage when you aren't even considering a change. This is you with Mountain Dew. Mm-hmm. You're not even considering it. It's not even on your radar. Right. You don't really care. No. Okay. So for example, let me use another example. If someone in your family has gotten lung cancer from smoking, and you're a smoker, and you think, eh, I'll be fine. I'll beat Mm -hmm. the odds. It's not that big of a deal. I can continue to smoke. You're basically in denial, and you don't think the problem applies to you, or you think that, you know, it's not going to have any kind of negative consequences. That's called pre-contemplation. That means I'm not even really going to deal with this problem. So what about denial? I'm thinking that the problem doesn't apply to me. Dr. Linda, you are overreacting (laughs) if you think this Mountain Dew is going to cause a problem. Then how will I change? You, so you won't. Hmm. So knowing yeah. that about somebody is very important because if they're in that stage of complete denial or thinking the problem doesn't apply to them, right. or you know that you're overreacting or whatever it is you say, they're not going to change. They don't have any conscious intention of altering their behavior. They're not going to change it. They're not going to stop it. Uh, this may be due to sometimes a lack of insight. Uh, Maybe they're not just aware of the problem, or maybe they've just had a number of unsuccessful attempts to something, and they think, you know what, it's not worth it, I'm not going to do it, and they just give up. When someone is in this stage of change, change is really about being pressured from others who are aware of the problem. It's not coming from within. And when someone doesn't feel like they have to change from within, it's harder to change. When you're Mm -hmm. only trying to change because outside people are pressuring you or there's some reason outside of yourself, that makes it really hard. Trying to change if you're in pre-contemplation just doesn't work. So if you have someone in your family and they are not even concerned about it, you're going to have to motivate them in a different way. And that's the next stage that we're going to talk to. So there's more. What's that? The next, <laughs> the next stage is you got to move them from pre-contemplation to contemplation. Okay. This is when you begin to think, well, maybe I have a problem. Maybe I need to change. Maybe the doctor has shown you a chest x-ray or your wife is threatening to leave you or your boss is about to write you up. Wait, all at one time? <laughs> all at one time. Yeah. You better be highly motivated to change. <laughs> but you're unsure. You're, you're thinking, I don't know. I don't know if, I really, if it's really me and I need to make that change. You are ambivalent, basically, about making a change. That's called you're in the contemplative stage of change. There are good reasons for continuing to do what you're doing, then there are some negative reasons. So let me give you an example of that. Someone who is weighing the pros and cons of smoking. 
it's true that some people do get positives from smoking, right? That's why people don't quit, Chris. Mm. There's, it's for some people, it's stress relief. They take smoke breaks. There's a socializing aspect to that. Some people enjoy it. Mm-hmm. It makes a little bit more of alertness and mental alertness in the brain. The disadvantage of that, though, is that it's expensive. It affects their health in negative ways. It smells. Right. Sometimes a spouse will say it's really upsetting. Mm-hmm. So you're contemplating yeah, it's a problem, but no, I enjoy it. But yeah, I should do something. When you're in that stage, you're not ready for change, but you've moved from that denial stage at least into starting to feel a little bit more ambivalent. So then uh, what's the next step? Next stage of change, Mm -hmm. if you move from denial, pre-contemplation, to contemplation, which is, eh, I'm ambivalent, but I might consider it. Right. Then you move into preparing for it. When someone resolves their ambivalence, because the pros outweigh the cons and that's what it takes you have to keep working on those pros and cons until you get to a place where you say all right i'm ready to do something i need to make a change then people begin to do some things they take baby steps maybe they try a few things they make a few small changes they have a little bit of success and that motivates them towards more action this is the time you want to think about what might trip you up because you're going to probably fall back or relapse. Most people don't change in a straight line. So what is it that gets in the way? And you have to, in the preparation stage, prepare for what are those triggers? What's gonna create relapse? What's gonna make me go back to my old ways? Anticipate those problems and then have a plan for that. And I'm guessing that action is the key word there. It's where we need to be to make a change. Right, that's the stage of change. So until a person gets to the action stage, they're not gonna do well. Hmm. If they're at any of those other three stages, they're not gonna be ready to actually make that change. It takes actually doing it. When someone's in the action phase of the change process, they have the highest chance of being successful, but you really have to commit to the change. The mistake then is trying to change or make someone change when they're not in the action phase. If they're not, then what do you do? You move them through those stages. So you, mm. you work with a denial, and then you get them to be a little bit more ambivalent about it and weigh the pros and cons, and then you hopefully have them be more ready to go, get some preparations. Think about it. When you're preparing somebody, you're building their confidence because mm-hmm. you're looking at all the things that trigger that, and then you get them into the action phase. When people get in the action phase, they're successful. This is a lot like in Green Eggs and Ham where he uh, – <laughs> He finally got the guy to the action phase. What? No, explain tr- that. I'll try it. Just leave me alone, please. I'll try it. That's that, what he says. That in was green the eggs in hand. Oh yeah. Okay. It took a whole book, but he finally got to the part he, where he. That's true. Yeah. I know. Ne- I never thought of Dr. Seuss in that regard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should have Dr. Seuss on the program at some point. Let's say we are in the action phase and working our plan, but we mess up and get discouraged. That's typical of anybody making a change. Mm-hmm. You have to anticipate that. Once you take action, the idea is to maintain the change. So the next stage is the maintenance phase of any kind of changing. We're talking about changing mm. any habit or stopping a bad behavior or developing a better behavior or a good behavior that you want to you want to do more of once you take action you maintain it but it's easy to relapse so you go in and out of this action to relapsing to maintenance to relapsing again maintenance and that's discouraging for people but mm-hmm. I don't want people to be discouraged by that because when you relapse to your old behaviors you need to just think what got in my way 
And what was I doing that was really successful that I can get back on track with and start doing that successful stuff again? See, what I'm hearing you say is that change is not linear. Things don't necessarily line up and go from one point to the other. And for someone like me, that can be a little discouraging because we want to get started in the process and then we want to see it through to the end. But it's uh, it doesn't always work that way. It's freeing if you think about the fact that change doesn't happen just on a straight line. Right. So if you give yourself that expectation that I might fall back to my old habit, mm-hmm. that's why it was a habit because you're changing something that you've been doing for a long time. And certainly, if we pray and ask God to help, uh, He can bring that power to change. We have the power of the Holy Spirit in us to help Mm. us with change. That is such a bonus, and it can empower you to stay the course. All right. Well, there's still more to come on our topic of making change here on the Dr. Linda Mental Program. We need to take a short break, but we will be right back. There's no doubt about it, we are definitely living in the text, Twitter, and email age. The handwritten note has become quite the relic. But just because we don't write much with pen and paper anymore doesn't mean we should forsake the kind and encouraging message. Hi, I'm Dr. Linda Mintel, the Relationship Doctor, and I want to encourage you to share a kind word. Even if it's a text, the power of telling a friend you're thinking of them, complimenting a success, or just saying, hey, hang in there, can make all the difference. If you've ever had your day interrupted by just a quick but genuine message from someone close, you know how a thought can raise your spirits, rejuvenate your mind, or help you stick on a difficult path because someone just cares. While you're listening right now, someone may come to mind, someone you can encourage with a few words. Take a minute and text, tweet, or email that person. Tell them you value them and the part they play in your life. It just might change their whole day. You're listening to the Dr. Linda Mental Show, and Dr. Linda has written numerous books that you can find on her website or online. Her latest is Living Beyond Pain, a book that provides a holistic approach to pain management and will help you get your life back. Check that book out or give it to a friend or a family member as a gift. And Dr. Linda, I've heard it said that it takes 21 or even up to 30 days uh, to change a habit. Is that true or is that a myth? That's myth. That number somehow got picked up by pop psychology. And huh. it's all over, right? It's on the internet. It's all over. But it usually takes people much longer to make a change. Mm-hmm. One study I looked at said around 66 days to change a habit. Okay. And then another one that I looked at said around 254 days. Oh, come <laughs> that on. That one is long. <laughs> but it's really hard to make a change, especially if it's something that's been very difficult and you've been doing for a long, long time. That number actually sounds right to me. That's less than a year. Hmm. It is a long time, right? What if someone bites their nails, and they have since they were a kid, but they want to stop? Will it take them 254 days well, to hopefully stop? hopefully not. But, but here's the thing. Here's what happens in the brain. Your brain is hardwired to take shortcuts and do what comes naturally to you. Mm-hmm. So while you're telling yourself you want to create a new habit, like stopping you know, biting your nails, your brain is busy working out how it can revert to your old ways. Wow. So you need to keep doing the new thing over and over and over again, lots of times. In this case, chew on a a banana or something, not your fingernails. It takes lots of practice to make a change. Repetition creates a mental association between the cue of something and then the action or the behavior that happens, which means that when you encounter that cue, you've got to do something else because you're automatically going to go back to it. So you really have to keep at it and do something new over and over before it becomes a habit in the brain. 
if you relapse, which we've already said is normal, right, for most mm. people, just go back to those action steps and start again. You're training your brain, and you're breaking an old habit. This is what I've uh, taken from this show that I've, I've, I've actually learned on this program. You don't have to be linear about right. making a change. It's freeing, isn't it? it because is. you then you get you kind of like you're being nicer to yourself, mm. and this is why we talk about spiritual disciplines, Chris. It takes discipline to form the habit of reading your Bible, praying. I would say even going to church right. and tithing. I don't know if those are considered spiritual disciplines, but that's part of it. In First Timothy four seven, it says, "Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness." The goal is godliness, but the Biblical means to that is to discipline yourself by the power of the Holy Spirit, rightly motivated. We are to discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness. The practical ways of doing that are things that you can do, like the spiritual disciplines. So get in those habits. Those are habits that you have to practice over and over. You know, discipline is not a popular word at all. Uh, We like to do what we feel like doing whenever we want to. That's the culture, isn't it? Mm, It is. And then we're frustrated, though, and we know we need to make a change. So practice healthy habits or doing the disciplines over and over. Even if you relapse and you don't do it for a couple of days, get back on the horse, so to speak, and you'll get into the goal of making that change. Just keep trying. Keep at it. You know, just saying that you need to make a change can make some of us feel uneasy. What we really underplay is the power of the Holy Spirit in us to help us along this change process. Well, thanks for that reminder, because some people do experience miraculous change suddenly from God, right? We do know people. I know people. You know people, probably, Mm -hmm. who've had a miraculous change, and God can do that. He can do it in an instant. But most of the time, God works with us to help us develop new habits and progress through change. In the process, he's usually working on us. He doesn't want us to get discouraged or give up. And this is where the enemy comes in and whispers defeat in our head. And we're victors in Christ. Use your greatest change agent, the power of Christ that lives in you. That is a huge change agent. It's the power of transformation in our lives. You can be successful. You can make changes when you surrender to God and allow his power to work through you. Well, Dr. Linda, as we get near the end of the program here, let's wrap up with some more practical steps. Perform the new habit or change at the same time each day or in the same situation or context. It's important to maintain consistency around the habit you wish to form so that you can be in those surroundings and you're going to be cued to do it. So consistent, consistent, consistent. The second thing, Chris, is don't give up if you miss a day, but do try to be consistent. Missing one opportunity doesn't mean that you're going to fall off the wagon and it's Mm. going to be over. But if you are very inconsistent in performing the new habit, you won't be successful. Third thing is be clear on what you want to achieve. Remember, it can take a lot longer than you think to break or make a new habit. And it's important to just persevere with it. Over time, it'll start to happen more easily and it will require a lot more effort. And we want to encourage you to not lose heart, or as the scripture says, don't grow weary in doing good. That's actually my life verse, Hmm. that scripture, don't grow weary in doing good. If you fail and mess up, pick back up where you left off and don't throw in the towel or think you failed. Allow God's grace. He knows your heart and will empower you to keep going. Prepare yourself for setbacks. Almost everyone has them in their efforts to achieve a goal. How you respond to these can make all the difference between success and failure. And during this process, resist being self-critical. Again, that could be the voice of the enemy trying to discourage you and defeat you. Have a few Bible verses handy. 
and have an encouraging friend to call who can remind you that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. This could be your year. Now go out there and make that change. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Many thanks to our producer, Norm Mintel, our engineer, and my co-host, Chris Weigel, who makes the show a conversation. From all of us here at Faith Radio, we'll talk to you next weekend. In the meantime, remember, we're here, we're doing life together, and it's better when you don't have to do it alone. Oh,